You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. things I want to say about this morning's sermon as we get started. The first is that I'm awfully excited to get to preach to a mostly empty bunch of pews uh, because now uh, I don't see anybody falling asleep, which is really encouraging. Uh, The downside is I won't know that it's time to be done because I won't see people falling asleep. So, But you can hit pause, you can go get coffee, whatever you need to for those of you who are live streaming. The second thing that I want to say is that um, I pondered whether or not I should rewrite the sermon and do something very different entirely about our response to the uh, COVID-19 epidemic that we're facing. Uh, But I decided to stay with um, the theme that we've been using throughout Lent of exploring our membership vows as sort of ways of growing in the faith. Um, And I did that partly because um, in the midst of all of the upheaval, Um, It's nice also to have a sense of normalcy, Um, but I think you'll see that in some ways, uh, as I looked at this week's sermon and questions around what uh, we might be called to do to respond, uh, it dovetailed really nicely with the reality that we're facing these days. So um, that's kind of where we are. Uh, If you've been paying much attention this week, of course, in the last several weeks, Um, One of the first things that health officials told us uh, as a way of keeping ourselves and others safe was to not touch your face. Wash your hands and don't touch your face. And most of us uh, over the last few weeks have realized how very much we touch our face. Uh, and how tempting it is now if you, when you feel an itch, oh, oh, uh, uh, we, we realize being told not to touch our face makes us keenly aware of how often I want to touch my face and how often I'm just, oh, man. Um, so I'm washing my hands a lot because I've not been able to successfully not touch my face. And I thought, oh, man, this is terrible. And then uh, I saw someone say, um, oh, gosh, I just looked at my uh, retirement account. Don't do that. And I thought, that's worse than don't touch your face. <laughs> don't check your pension balance. Oh, man. <sighs> so I have not done that yet. Perhaps you have. There are two numbers that we hear almost every day in the news reports, aren't there? There are numbers about the number of cases of infection of COVID-19 that we've seen, uh, either at a global scale or for most of us, sort of more locally in our state or our county or the U.S. And we see daily reports on what's happening in the stock market. Um, The stock market plunged this many points, or the stock market rebounded this many points. And it dawns on me how much faith and trust we put into finance, to numbers, to money. How much we count on that to tell us whether we are safe or endangered. Most of us probably can't explain in a lot of detail how those stock market market reports are generated. Most of us couldn't tell you all the different companies and industries that are part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average or any of the other sort of 
ways that we measure the, the performance of the stock market. But we all have this sense that if we hear that the stock market is going up, we're going to be okay. And if the stock market is going down, we all have a sense of concern and worry about what that means for us and for our community, for the economy. And it is absolutely true that in a very broad kind of way, as the stock market climbs, there is more money in our economy. And as the stock market declines, there is less economic benefit for a lot of us. But let's not make the mistake of thinking that somehow stock market is the real measure of our safety and well-being. That's kind of exactly the thing that Jesus warns us against, of putting our faith in money and finance. We trust and we hear and we are told from the time we're children to trust the economy and, and if we just work hard, it's going to be safe. But have you noticed that when the stock market declines, many of us are told we're going to have to make sacrifices. Hours are going to be cut, salaries are going to be reduced, or we'll be let go from our jobs. But when the stock market rebounds, the stock owners, the millionaires and the billionaires, tend to recoup their losses first, and it's a long time before the benefit trickles down. The economy, as we measure it, measures the wealthiest folks, not the most vulnerable folks. And Jesus warns us against that kind of kingdom and empire. And it's hard because so much of what we think about and talk about and so much of what we measure ourselves by is money. If you've been around the church, if you grew up in the church, you probably have an experience a lot like I did, that as a kid, my parents would give me uh, a dollar in the Sunday mornings and say, go drop it in the offering plate so that they might teach me how to give. And then at some point around junior high, uh, my church got a Coke machine. I thought that was amazing uh, because my parents didn't buy me Coke often at home. Uh, and so the church having a Coke machine, I thought, was clearly a sign of a benevolent and loving God. And I would often, every Sunday, beg my parents for, for money and, and to get a Coke after worship. And they would say yes or no and then the next week. And finally, after a year or two of this, my parents said, you know, you should just give money to the church because it's good for the work of the church, not because you're getting a Coke. Because I had argued with them that, hey, you know, I'm giving money to the church. And I said, no, 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 see, here's the thing. I am giving money to the church. It's just that the Lord chooses to reward me with a soda for my faithfulness. So that next evening, that very same evening, I went to youth group. And I had the dollar that I brought to get a Coke, and I plugged it in the machine, and it ate my dollar as it does, and I pushed the Coke button, and it made some funny noises, and nothing came out. Hmm. <laughs> Having just made the argument that the Coke machine was an avenue of divine justice in the world, it was hard for me to complain that I hadn't gotten my Coke. It doesn't really work like that, of course. God does not reward us with stuff for our faithful giving. Our membership vows, our United Methodist membership vows, we are invited to support the life and ministry of our congregation through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Our gifts. 
to give of ourselves, of what we have, for the life and work and ministry of our congregation, for one another and for our community and indeed for our world. Now, almost every time I have a conversation with someone about gifts, and I do the same thing, almost every time I talk about the gifts that we give to the congregation, we all want to say, yeah, it's not just money. It also is the things that we can do. And that's true. It is about the giftedness that each of us has to be woven into the work of the community and of the church. So the choir has a gift for music, and Betty and Charlie have a gift for music that they're sharing, and, and we would be poorer without those gifts. Perry uh, Hewn has done a remarkable job this week to set up all the technology and to do all the work to make sure that our live uh, stream works. That's a gift that he has that he has offered to our community. You all have gifts to offer and skills and experience and wisdom uh, that are uniquely yours. And yes, we are called to share of that gift in this and, and we are called to give of our resources for one another. We live in an, uh, in an economy that works based on money, a monetary economy, rather than a bartering economy or something else. If we were a bartering economy and you were a baker, God would expect you to share the bread and the goods that you baked with one another. But as it is, we work on a monetary economy, and so God asks us to use that money as a tool for the kingdom of God. And I think it's for a few reasons. One is money really becomes a tool for justice and care for one another. If you need to feed someone, it takes money. Even if you do the baking yourself, you've got to buy the flour and the yeast and all the other ingredients. Caring for one another, taking care of our community, costs money. Some of you have probably seen the um, stories that have hit the newspaper of people who have um, gone and bought up thousands upon thousands of bottles of bottled water or hand sanitizer or cleaning wipes, Clorox kind of wipe down cleaning wipes to keep people safe. They buy, buy them by the caseloads, buy out whole stores worth, and then resell them at a really highly marked up price. This is just kind of the thing that Jesus said about hoarding for yourself and storing up treasures. The reality is it costs money to care for one another, and we as followers of Jesus are called to use our money in a way differently than those who might hoard up the stuff for themselves to be beneficiaries of it. And that really is the thing that Jesus wants us to understand about our use of money. It is a tool for God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, we live with values that are different than the world's values. We don't give away so that people will appreciate how very generous we are. We don't make a big noise when we're about to give money and say, I have given this $10 and please notice what a generous person I am. Jesus says, if you do it that way, you've received whatever award there is. Now, we in the church sometimes aren't really great at this one. We sometimes like to put brass plaques with names on things. And it is done as an honor of, for those who have passed often. Um, and probably 
that's not the worst possible thing to do. It's not the greatest sin we commit, but sometimes it does feel a little funny to me um, that Jesus is so very clear about not honoring ourselves with our gifts. So we ought to be thoughtful about that. In this summer, as I was traveling uh, across Scotland, making my walk across Scotland, I stopped in this lovely little church. It was a Sunday, actually, but they weren't having worship. They were small enough that they sort of rotated worship around several different congregations. And this Sunday, they were worshiping elsewhere. And, but the doors were unlocked, so I walked in and was walking around. And there on the wall um, was a brass plaque that said, um, to the glory of God and in honor of Mrs. I don't remember her name. I think it was like Jane Smith. Uh, uh, the, the, the running water and related facilities are given this day. And it had the date from the 1930s. The related facilities were the toilet. So, yeah. Uh, the toilet given in the, to the glory of God. Absolutely. Yes. It takes money. It's a good thing to have plumbing in your building. And I imagine for those folks that had been worshiping at that point, it was absolutely a gift of God. And we ought to be careful to recognize that when God asks us to give money, it's not so that we can be appreciated. God asks us to give as tools, to let our money be a tool for the kingdom, to live upside down, not to feather our own nest, but to care for our neighbors. Not to receive the reward of praise and thanksgiving from our friends, uh, but to build the kingdom of justice and peace in the world. Not to receive the reward of praise and thanksgiving from our friends, uh, but to build the kingdom of justice and peace in the ministry um, because of your generosity. You might remember that um, sometime in the next day or two, um, we're going to begin to do some work repairing uh, the bell tower and steeple. Uh, because the mortar and the bricks um, have just sort of lived their useful life uh, and they need to be replaced and repaired uh, so that we're not leaking into the building anymore. And your generosity, not only this year, but in the years and years prior to this, mean that we have the kind of financial reserves that we could say yes to that without having it to be uh, taking away from other ministries. We were able to say, yes, we can take care of this building that we have uh, to keep the water out, to keep ourselves and others uh, from having to walk around the drips in the ceiling um, because of your generosity. But it's more than that, of course. It's not just about buildings. This few weeks, as we've shut down a lot of our ministries, uh, we're able to say to our staff people that they will be paid just as though they were doing the work that they would normally be doing. Um, so that they don't have to suffer the financial consequences. And we're able to do that because of your generosity. On Friday, we were able to distribute backpacks for 90 families in our community, knowing that the children would be um, home with their families um, and that the, the food that they normally have been getting from school wouldn't be available. And so we were able to, to pull together all of our resources and instead of those backpacks being delivered over a few weeks, we were able to deliver them all at once because of your generosity. And I was able to say to Lincoln Street and to Mooberry, the two schools that we serve through our backpack ministry, let us know what else you need and we will make it happen. We do that because of your generosity. We're able to say to our community, if there's something you need from us at the community trading post, we will be open and we will make sure that we are as supplied and as stocked as we can be so that those of you who are vulnerable and hungry will have a place to be fed. And we're able to do that because of your generosity.
We are a generous church, and for that I am grateful. And thank you. Let us continue to be people who live not just a little bit generously, but like foolishly generously. You know the saying, a fool and his money is, are soon parted. Let's let that be true. Let us be fools for the kingdom. People who worry less about our own comfortable future and more about our neighbors who are hungry now. Let us care about others in ways that demonstrate to the world the love that God has for them. If you've got friends and neighbors, people that you are worried about that might be hungry, share what you have this week and next week and every day. Let's be the kind of generous people that God calls us to be. Because here's what I think we're going to find at the bottom of all of this. That God's call to generosity is partly because money can be a tool for God's kingdom. But also in giving away our money, we act selflessly. And in acting selflessly, we learn to trust God that much more. So the generosity that God calls us to is not just about helping others. It really is about setting ourselves free. To trust that God is with us, no matter our money or our circumstances. And that, my friends, is the call that God has for us this day. And that is the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Jenica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, and Dave Rose. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. downtown Hillsborough, Oregon. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.